Poetry Society of Texas podcast. I'm Dr. Robin Davidson, your host for this episode. Today we feature Houston poet Terry Jude Miller. He is the recipient of many Poetry Society of Texas Poetry Awards, including the 2018 Catherine Case Lube Manuscript Prize, the Maxwell Prize, the Inez Grimes Award, the Georgia Poetry Society 2008 Langston Hughes Award. He was also a juried poet for the 2011 and 2012 Houston Poetry Festivals and the winner of the Global Peace Poem Competition of the 2012 Tyler Peace Festival. His work has been published in the Southern Poetry Anthology and numerous other publications. He is the creator of the Texas Poets Podcast and is a member of the Academy of American Poets, the Poetry Society of Texas, and Poets Northwest. Miller is the author of three poetry collections, including The Day I Killed Superman, What If I Find Only Moonlight, and The Butterfly Canonical. He is a retired professor of e-marketing at Kaplan University, where he held an innovation fellowship. Today, our conversation will focus on his latest book, The Drawn Cat's Dream, to be released this July. Terry, welcome. I had the great pleasure of reading these newest poems very early on and was privileged to write a foreword to The Drawn Cat's Dream. Can you tell us a bit about what inspired the poems appearing in this book? Oh, certainly. But first of all, let me thank you for hosting this show and secondly, for writing the foreword in the book. I'm just thrilled beyond context. Oh, my pleasure. It really was genuinely my pleasure. Now to answer your question, this collection of poems started actually back in 2009 when I wrote my first poem. My mother was diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease, and on January 1st, 2009, she had a really, really bad day, and I was struggling with how to deal with that and wrote a poem. It didn't have anything to do about her illness. It was about my wife and my children and I going on vacation on Bolivar Peninsula. So I entered that poem in a contest with the Gulf Coast Poets, and it placed So I was ecstatic about that. And that's where everything started to build. So I started joining organizations and attending workshops and the like, and started remembering my youth on a Southwest Louisiana rice farm. Anytime that I find it difficult to understand this world, especially when when people are cruel to each other, I tend to go back to those memories because it was a boy's paradise, you know, acres and acres of a place to hunt and fish and to just be a boy, to just be innocent. It was a tremendous place. My younger brother, who was my best friend when I was a child, passed away unexpectedly when we were adults. And uh, I found myself visiting 
our youth more and more as I remembered him. And so the collection started to be a tribute to him, but then it expanded out to my mother, my father, my older sister who passed away. But then it also became something that I started understanding how these memories and these experiences impacted me as an adult. So some of the poems deal with how I, as an adult, deal with my own personal tragedies and challenges and with the pain of people I love. So that's where all of these poems came from. And it's more compendium of what I've done wrong and right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've done a lot right. (laughs) Thank you very much. Well, so that's very interesting to me to see how the, the book emerged, you know, initially. Can you say a little bit about how the architecture may have changed or reconfigured itself as you began preparing for submission to competitions? For example, a submission to the Catherine Case Lube Manuscript Prize Competition. Oh, certainly. As I said, the book started out as a tribute to my younger brother, Timothy. I didn't know anything about the competition, and someone suggested that I submit the book to the contest, the Poetry Society contest. So I submitted it the first year, and it came in second place. So I took it back, edited it, retitled it, and added some poems, and removed some poems, and then submitted it again, and it won the second time I submitted it. So, you know what they say about not giving up on a, on a good poem? Yes. <laughs> uh, don't give up on a good collection either, because I knew that the book was good because it was saying how I felt, and it was relating how these feelings and experiences had shaped me as a man, as a human being, as someone who has to deal with the things that we all have to deal with, and what my place in the world is. So be true to yourself in poetry and be true to your collections and they'll reward you. This one did. I guess the next thing I'd really love to know is what themes do you see informing the poems that comprise the manuscript? You'll see a lot in this collection of dealing with grief. As I pointed out, my younger brother passed away when he was 51 years old, a day after his 51st birthday it was unexpected and it was devastating to me. I was extremely close to my mother. I was a sickly child and I was extremely close to my mother. So dealing with her death was a struggle I'd never faced before in my life. My father's death also impacted me as well as my older sister. It was unexpected to me that grief would impact me that much. But going through those experiences taught me how to deal with grief, how to face it, how to incorporate it into who I was. Indeed, it helped me address my own challenges. When I had challenges later in life that you'll read about in this book, it provided me the tools I needed to be able to address it, look it in the face and say, you're not going to take me down. So in addition then to the thematic content of the book, let's talk a bit about craft How is form working in the poem? So, for example, are you using traditional poetic forms or syllabics or 
Are you working primarily in free verse? You know, what are your formal preferences, whether rhyme and, you know, formal rhyme and meter or free verse or experimental mode, such as the prose poem? I believe there are only two prose poems in this collection, and then the rest are free verse. I've studied poets like Whitman and Keats and Yeats and Dickinson, Tony Hoagland, Joseph Komunyaka, Charles Bukowski for years. I've read their work. The first time I was exposed to Bukowski, I said, what is this guy doing? What is this guy doing? Where's the punctuation? Where's the capitalization? But then I started understanding how he was incorporating form into feeling. He was manipulating poetic structure to help the readers feel something. So it wasn't only his word choice, it was how he placed them on the page and how he incorporated his line breaks to make us take a breath before we read the next part. Now, my favorite thing to do in a poem is to take someone down a road and then get about three quarters way through the poem and completely change direction, change that direction and then end in the last two lines of the poem with the bam, bam, you know, to really catch the reader. But you have to be able to draw the reader into the work. You have to be able to bring them into the poem. So structure provides that and form provide that element for you to get someone to say, I want to see where this poem is going. Absolutely. Tell us about the poem you're going to read for us today and a little bit about it. Well, the poem is the title poem from the book called The Drawn Cat's Dream. And it's a reflection of the time I spent with my younger brother on that form. And I hope everyone enjoys it. I'm going to go ahead and read it now. The Drawn Cat's Dream. There's a pencil drawing of my boyhood home on the wall above my writing desk drawn by a hometown artist who saw fit to place a tiny cat sleeping beneath the grandfather oak in the front yard. There's an expression on the feline face of complete abandon, of being lost in a forgotten summer, when a prequel version of me played with a younger brother, now past the veil over a year. I wonder if the cat has dreamed the boys into existence again, ever sees the brothers fishing in the nearby creek, engulfed in the casual conversation of preteen boys, their greatest decision, what flavor popsicle to select when mother calls them home. They did not know death then with its many hollowed darkness, but night never falls on the house in the drawing. Somewhere, perhaps on the other side of the sleeping cat's tree, my brother digs for night crawlers. It's a beautiful poem, Terry. A beautiful lyric poem. Yeah. Could you speak about craft, the way craft is working in the poem? So line breaks, the rhythms that those line breaks are creating here, the images, anything you'd like to say about the poem's craft? Sure. When I first started writing, one of the first things, the critiques that I would get back is show, don't tell. And how do you show? You show with images that you tie you know, back to what you're actually trying to say. Now, what does this poem say? This poem says that I had a great youth and friend in my brother. And I had a great time as a kid. 
I didn't know he was going to die. And when he died, it was devastating. But at least I have the memories. Well, telling you that is very sweet, very nice, but it's not a poem. A poem has to have a doorway in through which the reader walks. And that's why I start this poem with this cat under the tree. For people to say, well, I wonder what's going to happen with that cat. What is going to happen? There's going to be something going on with that cat. And so it brings them into the other pictures. And so now I bring them down the path with all the joys of being a young boy. You know, everything that we got to do to fish, to eat popsicles, to do those things. But then to also bring in the understanding that that stopped. Something happened and it broke the continuity between youth and adulthood when my brother passed away. But the end of the poem turns us back and gives some relief to the reader to let them know that at least we still have the memories, you know, and the memories yeah. are taking the form of, of the cat's dream. Yeah. I love the way you talk about the poem as offering an invitation to the reader and kind of beginning as a doorway, a, an opening. You know, I know you're a devoted and generous poet, and I can say with some confidence that you are so because you believe that poetry is important today as much as in any previous historical moment. Would you talk about why poetry specifically has been important to you and why it may also be deeply meaningful for others? Sure. I never knew that grief was going to impact me the way that it did. And I needed a platform for reflection of that grief to get beyond the suffering. And that's what poetry did for me. It gave voice to my grief. It allowed me to address it. It allowed me to see it. It permitted me to be able to develop a backbone to address it. It not only allowed me to be able to deal with the grief of the loss of my loved ones, but it empowered me to be able to address how I would deal with my own personal challenges. In the book, we'll relate some of my health challenges and some of my relationship challenges, and that's what it gave me. My memories of my youth, my dealing with grief gave me that platform, but Understanding that poetry gives us this platform for reflection is something we all need. You know, in the world now, we don't spend enough time thinking about things. We let social media think for us. We let other people tell us what we need to think. But what we need is a place where we can go and relate to a poet. We can say, I understand what he's saying, and this is how it relates to me or this is what I don't understand, and this is how I can deal with what I don't understand. Poetry needs to feed the soul for it to be good. And when it does that, it's a self-perpetuating thing. It makes people want to read it more so that they can grow more. So poetry helps everyone grow. Absolutely. And it really requires we slow down, which I think is such a difficult thing. So what would your advice to new poets be about writing, about discovering ideas for poems? What would you say to new poets really entering the field? 
Well, as I attended conferences and writing workshops and master poet workshops, one theme was repeated over and over again, read. Read not only poetry, read philosophy, read fiction, read biographies, read. And I understand why they said to do that now, because it gives you what the input that you need to be able to develop your own poems from that input. Reading poetry helps you recognize and understand different styles, but it also helps you develop your own voice. It helps you move forward in your ability to be able to translate what you're receiving and filter it back into poetry. The other thing that I tell people is to write. Even if you think what you're writing is bad, continue to write it because it's like spring cleaning. You're getting out all of that bad poetry that you have corked up in you. Get that stuff out. <laughs> It'll help you build an editor within your brain so that you can recognize what's not good and what is good. And when you write something good, you'll be able to recognize that this is something that's good. Read, write, even if you're writing bad, and continue to write and never give up. Good advice. I'm going to take that <laughs> advice myself. <laughs> How important would you say writing poems is to some extent, a solitary process. But how important would you say that it is for poets to participate in community, in specifically in a community of poets, like the Poetry Society of Texas? Well, I can't say enough good things about the Poetry Society of Texas. First, it exposed me to just some fantastic poets, some poets who I were aghast at the quality of their poetry and what their poems made me feel. It was tremendous. But I also gained a great deal from colleague poets, people who were going through the same thing I was on my journey to becoming a poet and still continue to become a poet. It, it was a balance of having these fantastic poets and these other guys who I could say, well, how do we do this? How do we get through it? Poetry societies and poetry communities help us also develop a thick skin for critique so that we can take input from others about our work and use it to make our poetry better. And that's what community does. It also, to some degree, brings you validation. It allows you to bring your work. And when a colleague poet or a poet you admire says, I think this is really a good poem, it just lifts you, you know, it just gives you wings and lifts you and pushes you forward to want to become an even better poet. It's true. Wings, that's a good metaphor. Terry, it has been a great pleasure to talk with you this morning. My warmest thanks. This has been a Poetry Society of Texas podcast featuring Terry Jude Miller. Please visit the website at poetrysocietyoftexas.org. Music is provided by Ed and Mim Frieda. Technical editing by J. Daryl Kirkley. Please visit again for another episode of the Poetry Society of Texas podcast. <laughs>